so what episode would this be? Um, given that we're going to post it in between uh, the last episode we released and the last episode we recorded. So, uh, the last episode we recorded was just 13. Okay. My Tumblr dashboard says, yes, that was uh, episode 12, which means that this will be 12B. Yes, 12.5. Okay, this is 12.5. So we're recording an intermediate episode because... Oh, because I'm moving to Chicago. You're moving to Chicago. And I don't know, should we get a little housekeeping out of the way? In case you've stumbled onto this and have no idea what you're listening to. This is Stomp Tokyo, the cult movies podcast. Me, in Austin, Texas, is Chris Holland. And? And currently in St. Petersburg, Florida, Scott Hamilton. Soon to be in Chicago. Yes. All right, then. Getting out of the out of the burg and into the burbs. <laughs> Where in Chicago is, is, uh, is your lovely woman living at this point? Uh, it's in an area called Lincoln Park. Oh, Lincoln Park? Yeah, the northern side of of the city, basically. Not quite the burbs. I know of it, but I don't know it well. Yeah. Um, it looks like it's a pretty nice neighborhood, but, you know, I know practically nothing about neighborhoods in Chicago. I mean, the only times I've been to Chicago were with you, and we went with B-Fest, you know, for B-Fest. And didn't we mostly stay with Ken Begg? Most of those times? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't have a map of Chicago around anywhere, but, um, and I'm not going to Google it up, but yes. Um, <laughs> well, I, Ken. I, I've forgotten uh, even Ken's, like, what part of town Ken lives in. So. Well, didn't, you know, Ken is of Jabutu.com. Yes, uh, Ken Beck of actually Jabutu.net these days. Oh, Jabutu.net. Yes. Um, he lives over by Chicago O'Hare. And for some reason, the only Chicago landmark that he would ever show us is the Superdog, <laughs> which I never really understood. But you know, I've been. I I've think been if course- you take a look at the majority of the the men coming to see Ken, you probably get a fair idea <laughs> of why we were going to the Superdog. In Arlington any case, Heights. Ken lives in Arlington Heights. Oh, okay, like the uh, that movie about the terrorist. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, I don't know, I've been corresponding with him about my upcoming move, and he's already talking about the Superdog again. And <laughs> I don't, isn't that just a hot dog place? Didn't we, I mean, we went there. Oh, oh, sir, it is not just a hot dog place. <laughs> it is the hot dog place. It has okay. giant uh, anthropomorphic hot dogs named Mari and Flory. On top of the place, please. I <laughs> just a hot dog place. Okay. All right. I am. I am properly chastised. As well, you should be. All right. So <laughs> Lincoln Park, from the looks of things, uh, is not far from Evanston. It's on that side of the lake, or that side of that. It's close to the lake. And Arlington Heights is further inland, about uh, equilateral with Evanston, uh, you know, north-south. Yeah. So, anyway, 
I, I can. T- I, this is going to be fascinating for anyone <laughs> listening who doesn't actually know us. But I mean, how many of those people can there be, really? <laughs> uh, no, it's a. You know, I mean, the, I've. I'm finding out that there is some interesting B-movie stuff going up in, in Chicago, even beyond B-Fest. Um, there's a theater there called The Portage, mm-hmm. which once a month does a monster movie marathon. So nice. yeah, that's that's fun. Um, unfortunately, the building they're in just got bought by a scary apocalyptic church. So there's some question as to how much longer they're going to be able to stay a theater um, but I guess we'll see what Especially happens. Especially one that makes monster movies. What? Or one that shows monster movies. Oh, the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they're you know a uh, what's the term? Repertory. Yes. Um, but yeah, one, once a month they do like monster movie marathon. Right. Well, and there's also the music box. Um, which is another repertory theater in Chicago. I mean, you know, as as towns go, Chicago's fairly large and has a, a decent number of, you know, options. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I know where the music box is. I think that uh, my friend Carlos uh, had his film Judas, Judas Kiss play there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was the music box. I could be almost certainly. Um, yeah, the, the midnight movies they're playing this month are Coffee, Rushmore, The Room, and Rocky Horror, mm. <laughs> and, and and Dead Alive. So Ooh. you know, yeah, you you will not want for you know things to see. Yeah, no, that'll be cool. If you want to get out to the theater and see them? Yeah, no, it'll be cool. Good. All right, so what were we going to talk about this week? Well, um, I think maybe we should do a tiny bit of follow-up on, uh, on, on comic books. Um, your, your assessment was correct that just about everything that you could ever want to get legally or illegally is out there. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's a great comfort. It's allowing me to sort of let go on the physical comic book front. Um, yeah. You know, plus I'm, yeah. as I look back over the spreadsheet that we created uh, when we inventoried my actual collection, there's a lot of stuff in there I'm never, ever going to read again. And a lot of stuff that no one would ever, ever want to pay for. So, um, you know. It'll be okay to let some of that stuff go. This is the therapeutic portion of our show, where, <laughs> where Chris learns to let go some of his past. Uh, but you were telling me yeah, about well that... comicsology. Um, yeah. And and there's apparently uh, some comic they're putting out that's going to be iPad exclusive. Is that right? Yes. Uh, called. Uh... I mean, it's 99 cents. Even if you only get it by itself, it's worth getting. Um, it's Avengers versus X-Men Infinity. Um, and it is a iPad. You know, it uses the iPad as a medium, not just as a, you know, not just to display a series of panels. I mean, technically, it's display, displaying a series of panels, but it's using the, you know, the fact that it, you are looking at it on a tablet to do things that you can't do with a normal comic book. 
like have things go in and out of focus or have the panels build up rather than just you reading from left to right, the panels will fall on top of each other sequentially. Stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, it was a... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm sort of getting a picture in my head of the old 1960s, um, you know, what was that funky style of of animation called where they took basically took Jack Kirby drawings and just moved them on top of a static background? Yeah, I don't remember what they called that anymore, but yeah, the old Incredible Hulk, Captain America. It was like Magimotion or something really cheesy like that. Yeah, no, no, this this has no motion. Okay, you know the the panels are the panels are panels, but there's they're allowing the panels to fade into each other and focus and um, you know uh, you know there can be a sequence where the you know each time you're hitting to go to the next panel you're staying on the same image, but a new uh, a new capture box is appearing. And moving across, you know, are, are building up on the screen. It's it's you know it's hard to explain. Um, you really just kind of have to see it. And I, I, again, going back to the 1960s animated Marvel stuff, I have that one voice in my head. Like they got one guy to do all the voices, right? <laughs> like even the women. Probably. It was the one guy who was Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson and Tony Stark and the Hulk and the Red Skull. The Red Skull had the worst voice in that series. He was terrible. I do not even remember who it was, but... Yeah. um, Yeah. I don't know. I have not seen those in a very, very long time. Yeah. Well, I was reading some some samples um, of some of the stuff that's been coming out in the last year. And uh, realizing that seven years is a very long time to be out of the the comic book world. Like, apparently Bruce Wayne has a son from a clone or something. Something weird like that. And he's the new Robin. Yeah, I mean, Damien. And there are like four Batman who are all former Robins at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So? I mean, logically, if he keeps collecting them. Right. um, Yeah, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Damien is actually a a dangling plot line from the 80s that they brought back. I see. In fact, I I thought you had that issue. Um, I I don't know, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was surprised to see a ten-year-old, you know, badass who is apparently the cloned son of Rush Al Ghul's daughter and Bruce Wayne, you know, being Robin to Dick Grayson's Batman, and you know, then I don't know, I don't know, a lot going on. It's just a long time to be out of that, you know, out of that element. Um, True, and I I don't see myself ever catching up, but maybe I'll, I don't know. I feel like I should pick like one title that I'm going to to pay for, and the problem is that so many of them are interdependent on one another. Yeah, you know, like you can't just read Batman and Robin; you have to read Detective and Batman, and you know, Gotham City and Superman and Batman, just to, just to keep up with what the heck's going on with Batman in any given month. Yep. Well, I mean. I'll tell you, since they've, you know, DC did a big relaunch, you know, what they call the New 52. Right, and what was the apocalyptic crisis-like event that, that spawned that? Uh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint. was the name of it. Okay. But, uh, 
since then, the Batman titles have been largely independent of each other. Um, if you're going to get one, um, I would suggest starting with with uh, the first issue of just plain old Batman. Um, that has been fantastic, just that series. And which is the one where Batman meets Doctor Who? Batman is not meeting Doctor Who. Are you sure? Because it kind of feels yeah. like at this point Batman should be meeting Doctor Who. <laughs> no, the Star Trek is going to meet Doctor Who this, this summer. That's going to be a comic book. What do you mean again? When did it ever happen I, before? I feel certain that, that Star Trek and Doctor Who have have overlapped at some point. <laughs> Come on. There wasn't a comic book about this or something at some point in the past? No. No. Are we sure? Yes, only in your imagination. Well. Um, all right. Okay. First ever Star Trek Doctor Who. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, until I go obsessively researching the internet and find something from my imagination. Uh, <laughs> Skittlebrow. Speaking of Doctor but Who, yes. when, are, when are the new episodes of that? They're due out like sometime this summer, right? Or is it in the fall? No, it's going to be the fall. Okay. They're kind of they're moving the series to being uh, basically from October. It looks like it's going to be from October to March. Will be the new season. Interesting. Well, the you know, and the advantage of that being that for the fiftieth anniversary, they'll have the season will be on the fiftieth anniversary, ah, and they can put the Christmas episode in the middle of the season. Yes, That's yes, pretty, I like that. It's, that doesn't suck. Well, I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever they want to do, as long as we get more Doctor Who, as long as they do, you know, fourteen episodes a, a season or whatever. I guess they do 13. Oh, well, look, I'm, right? I'm sitting here with a TARDIS USB hub on my desk. I think <laughs> Doctor Who is making them enough bank at this point that uh, they they will continue to keep making episodes. Yeah, except it's the BBC, so... Um, the BBC likes to you know, the No, they don't, because they're, they're, gov- they're government-owned, so they can't make money. Um, you know, so... Because because of the way that that the BBC is, you know, it's a government project. You know, their their budget is set by the government. So when they got hit in the last year with all these huge cutbacks, they cut back everything uh, equally. So you know, every department gets hit equally, even the one that's producing Doctor Who, even though Doctor Who is making a bunch of money. You know, now the BBC creates a bunch of sub companies like BBC Worldwide and BBC Publishing and all these other things that can make money. But you know, it's all supposed to be blind. They're not, you know, BBC, the television production place, is not supposed to be making decisions about what shows to make based on how much money BBC Publishing is making off of Doctor Who books. That's just crazy British talk. <laughs> it is. It is. And, you know, this is why, um, you know, you can read about this in uh, Russell T. Davies, who was the showrunner for the first four seasons, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a, a book called The Writer's Tale. And, you know, he's talking about this bizarre game of chicken that everyone would play where, um, you know, because there's, you know, this one pot of money and 
all these different, uh, you know, the BBC would say, well, we're going to make it, and, you know, every kind of little fiefdom in the BBC, like BBC Wales and BBC International, would all, would all commit to making the next season of Doctor Who. But then they'd all try to pull their money out as the time got closer, knowing that the other people would either have to, uh, would have to throw in more money. So it ended up being this weird game of chicken with everybody trying to put in as, as little money as possible while still getting a season that they could, you know, use for their, whatever their purposes were. Um, yeah, it doesn't really sound like any way to make a TV show. <laughs> no, it sure doesn't. All right. Uh, so let's talk about what we came to talk about in our shortened episode, which has suddenly grown to 20 minutes somehow. Uh, and that is The Avengers. Yes. Which, will, which is out this coming Friday? Yes, it's out this Friday in the U.S. It's already opened in most of the world except for Russia and China. And well, we all know why that is. And why is that? Well, the axis of evil. <laughs> no, they aren't. What? <laughs> Completely different countries. Oh, damn it. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and it's already breaking records. So um, it's pretty much official now. Joss Whedon is A-list. So think about that for a while. Well, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it's just going to be really, it's just going to be weird from now on. Whatever. Yeah. I, I hope he does something besides just make movies. Oh, I mean, I'm sure. I would, I would like to see him get back into television. Well, he'll probably have a, a lot more leverage, though. You know, I have a feeling that uh, he's probably never going to be able to spend as much time on television as he as he did back in the old days when you know Buffy and Angel were on at the same time. Um, I'm sure he could do that if he chose to. I, however, I'm just as sure that he will not choose to do that. Yes. Well, I'm sure that the large chunks of cash that are going to be waved at him will be hard to resist. I don't, I don't even think it's that. I think if you are in the position that he has been in, where you have this little mini empire going of this genre television show, and then the ratings start to tank and things start to go south and you're feeling creatively burned out, like, you know, once it, once those shows sort of went by the wayside, he was not able to get another empire going and maybe didn't even want to, right? I mean, he pursued theatrical projects and I think he just wanted to get to a place where he didn't live and die by every weekly ratings thing. Yeah. Um, so it, it sounds like he's accomplished that and, and more power to him, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we know he's working on another web series with Warren Ellis. Um, I think called Wastelanders. So that may be the next thing we see. But yeah. um, I, You know, I was looking at Warren Ellis's Wikipedia entry, and he has not done a whole lot lately. Yeah, I think he's working on, uh, you know, he is working on other other projects that we just don't know about yet. Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess he isn't really writing any comic books at the moment. Not that I can think of. Well, I mean, he seems to have built this little online empire. That, you know, I'm using the word empire a lot tonight, but... Uh, you know, he's got this little forum thing going and a little online fan club, and he seems to be writing for that. 
and okay, great, but you know, I don't know. Give me something that doesn't make me feel like a Warren Ellis fan. Give me something that makes me feel like I'm reading a really good story. I don't know. I don't. I'm talking out of my ass here. Yeah. Well, I I kind of agree. I haven't liked much that he's written recently. Um, because it doesn't really feel like he's he's stretching. It's all very rote, you know, very Warren Ellis-ish, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure. I think he's working on television projects and other things that, you know, some that it's not even obvious he's working on. Like, did you, have you seen that there were those Marvel anime series? No. Uh, recently? There was an Iron Man, an X-Men, let's see, Wolverine, and Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they were actually done in Japan. And uh, Warren Ellis apparently wrote, wrote the books, the, the Bibles for them. Um, mm, I see. Story you know. advisor. Yeah. Um, I don't think he even had a, a credit on the finished, on the finished, uh, the finished pieces. But, uh, you know... Apparently that probably took some of his quite a bit of time to put those together. Yeah. Well, I mean, Marvel's done a great job in the last decade or so of taking their properties and repurposing them for different markets. I mean, there's yes. anime stuff. There's apparently um, a friend of mine has been working on repurposing of Marvel titles as animated series for different countries around the world. So there's like a Hindi version of the Avengers and a Romanian version. And like, you know, he was telling me that there's so much that you have to have to know and write and rewrite to to fit the characters to the culture. You know, so, so that you're not mortally offending the people of that culture, but rather writing rewriting the superhero legends for them. Really interesting yeah. stuff. Um, and, and, I mean, who can't admire what they've done with the individual character stories and movies leading up to this Avengers movie? Yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. And, you know, I, I, you know, posted some stuff in the, my Tumblr where, you know, even as far back as Iron Man 2, you know, there was like a map and you could see that they had, there was stuff from the Captain America movie which hadn't even come out yet on that map and the Thor movie were both on the map already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I thought that was, you know, they, they, you know, at least it, they may not have had a plan when they made the first Iron Man movie, but it seems that after that, they made a roadmap and said, this is, this is, uh, this is where these are all going to be going. And it's, you know, it's, I've liked, you know, the, the multiple appearances of, the uh, the Stark Expo or the World Expo, whatever they called it, even if we did find out that Tony Stark's dad is Roger Sterling, which is still a little creepy, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, and the way that the Tesseract is 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 apparently what's tying all these movies together, um, it's really interesting stuff, you know, and something which has never been done before. I don't think anybody has ever tried to do this on this scale, to you know, have all these franchises tie together. Uh, yeah, I gotta say it's it's pretty unusual and honestly, I mean, ambitious, but um, you know, fantastic that they were able to get this many movies of quality. Even if I didn't personally like all of them, 
But they're all, you know, fairly solid movies, and they all made a, a decent amount of money, from what I understand. Oh yeah, they they all they all did pretty well. Um, you know, I enjoyed all of them to various degrees. I, you know, I don't think the Incredible Hulk one was was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that was the only misstep. You know, the problem was hiring Edward Norton, who is a great actor, <laughs> but is a horrible ego yeah. and was probably not the guy to be working on a franchise movie. Um, no, I think but, Ru- I think Ruffalo is probably a better choice. Yeah, I think I think he's probably going to be. He's going to be a lot better. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Avengers this weekend. Um, probably in 3D or at least on IMAX, if at all possible. Yeah. So started with Iron Man, basically 2008. Yes. The Incredible Hulk, also 2008. Iron Man 2, 2010. Thor in 2011, and Captain America in 2011. Yes. That's a pretty decent run. Yeah. Although, I have to admit, I fell asleep during Thor. Really? It just did not get me going whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear some, some people say that. I really enjoyed Thor. I like the, the Shakespearean tone of it. Mm-hmm. Really, Really worked for me. Yeah, Captain America, you know, didn't really have me solid. I mean, like, I think the first half hour was great. I loved the ending with the, you know, waking up in the in the future. The middle section kind of lost me. Oh. Uh, no, again, I love that one, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a movie that was... It wasn't really taking place in World War II. It was taking place in World War II movies. Right. <laughs> um, Good point. Yeah. I, I think that may be part of why that one actually didn't do quite as well overseas, because I think that if, you know, if you're in Europe and you had lived through World War II or you were living, you know, you had the legacy of World War II, you might not quite appreciate the way that World War II was portrayed in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing as how there didn't seem to be very many civilians at all in that movie. But, uh, um yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, you know, I thought Joe Johnson was a a great choice to direct that movie. You know, he did the Rocketeer mm-hmm. back in the eighties or nineties. That was the eighties, wasn't it? The Rocketeer, I want to say it was like eighty nine. Yeah, wow, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, hold on, ninety one. Ninety one, still 91. pretty close. Yeah. And anyway. Yeah, I guess that makes sense that it came out when I was in college. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure anything about that movie makes sense. But you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> Timothy Dalton is a Nazi. What's not to like? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so Avengers coming out. You pointed me to this cute little YouTube video. Yes. Uh, that somebody put together. Of, uh, you know, a, a 1978 uh, Avengers movie, uh, the CBS Late Show or something like that. Yes. You want to describe this a little bit? Um, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, yeah, which we'll once we get the website up, will be at cultmoviespodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, so so basically they they've they've pulled together, uh, you know, as many Avengers or Avengers-like 
characters as they could uh, from old from the old TV movies. So you've got your uh, Captain America from the uh, two TV movies, the one where he's actually like a evil can evil character with a motorcycle and the transparent shield. Um, for the Hulk, they of course used the Lou Ferrigno Hulk. Um, I think all the clips they use, and then they use uh, are from the what was was it called the Incredible Hulk Returns? Yes, yes. I believe so. Eighty-eight. Yeah, so the Incredible Hulk Returns was the one with Thor. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll link to our review of that in the show notes. Yes, um, but it had so Tim there, Thomerson in it. It did it. Was he the villain? <clears throat> no, he was. He was the Cajun. Uh, he was like Wacky Number Two. Um, he had an actual name, but he was not the the main bad guy. Gotcha. Um, and so. Uh, you know they've got Paul Lind as Loki. Okay, that's pretty funny. Um, and they use a lot of a lot of footage from uh, uh, Kiss Meets Phantom of the Phantom of the Park. Phantom of the, Phantom of the Park with where Paul Lind was the villain in that to have them be the bad guys to have Kiss be the bad guys in this you know mashup clip for for Iron Man. They actually use an, a failed pilot called Exo Man uh, and some footage of. Peter Wingard for being Tony Stark. Um, I actually watched watched Exo Man because I, I had not I had not heard of that, um, and uh, it was a pretty terrible movie. It was uh, it was based on uh, the story. I don't think it's actually a, a novel. I think that the guy actually just made the story for the TV, uh, but the same guy who did the Bionic Man. So apparently he had he had one idea, and that one idea was uh, uh, disabled people turning into robots and fighting crime. Um, but yeah, so Exo Man is a, about a, a college professor who is uh, paralyzed from the waist down by by mobsters and kind of builds this bulletproof suit using this secret magnetic technology uh, so that he can walk around slowly after bad guys. Um, it is a very boring movie. <laughs> I can see why it didn't go anywhere. Thunderball fists? I can have such a thing? <laughs> it's not It's not even... I mean, this thing is... I mean, as you, if you watch the trailer, that's the Exo Man suit is basically built like a tank and only half is maneuverable. <laughs> <laughs> um it is, it is, you know, uh, God. And then, oh, and then, of course, for Hawkeye, they have Hawkeye from MASH. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, dear. So did you say Paul Lind was the villain in Kiss Me, Stefan in the Park? Wasn't he? No. Or was he their manager? He was not in Kiss Me, Stefan in the Park, as far as I can tell. Oh, you know what they've got? Oh, this is from the... Oh, I'm sorry. The footage they've got here is from uh, Paul Lin's Halloween special. So, the Kiss was on that. Gotcha. So that's, now, that's where they've got the footage of Paul Lind. It was... Uh, wasn't it Paul Williams was the villain of Phantom of the Park? No. No. You're, that's that's Phantom of the Paradise. A Phantom of the Paradise. Totally different movie. Yeah. Shoot. Who was in Phantom of the Park then? Who was the bad guy? Phantom of the Park. Well, I'm just going to digress here for a second since we mentioned uh, Tim Thomerson. Brian James is in Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park as guard number two. But (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anthony Zerby 
is the mad scientist. Okay. Who right. who wants to possess the alien superpowers of Kiss from yes. Kiss Meets the Family of the Park. Yeah, I always mix that one up with Phantom of the Paradise. Mainly because they're they're both so uh so random. Yeah, they're pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, it's you could pretty much edit those two movies together and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference, yeah. quite honestly. There's a new Paul Williams documentary coming out. Um just played South by Southwest. I did not get to see it, but um you know. Uh I think it's I think it might even be called something like Paul Williams is alive and well or something like that. Yeah. Um anyway. Paul Williams, if you don't know who he is, is a uh, composer, uh, sometime actor, short guy, composed things like Just an Old Fashioned Love Song, We've Only Just Begun, and uh, The Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie. Did a fair amount of work with the Muppets, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, but, uh, let's see if I can find... Oh, apparently he was in A Muppet Christmas Letters to Santa. Oh, really? The recent one? Or are you sure that's not just they used his music? Uh, no, he plays Elf. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing, uh, you know. Anyway, Paul Williams Still Alive is the name of uh, the documentary. Anyhow, uh... So you were saying you didn't know who the Black Widow was in this uh, in this trailer? Yeah, I mean, I assume it could be Charlie's Angels of some sort. At least they just have a. I'm pretty sure that's Joanna Cassidy from Codename Foxfire. Oh, okay. Which is a 1985 um, TV series about ex spy women who are put together on like you remember the um the the bit in pulp fiction where Uma Thurman talks about the TV pilot that she did yeah called Fox Force 5 yeah okay that that's basically codename Foxfire gotcha you know there's like three or four different women they each have a specialty that you know it's 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 a female version of the A team, basically. Oh, good, because that's what we needed. But uh, yeah, well, I'm, I think it lasted all of five, five minutes. But I, you know, for for whatever reason, I I remember watching this as a kid and going, "That's pretty cool." Turns out, <laughs> it, no, it was not. It was not pretty cool at all. No, you were completely wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it only lasted one season. So yeah. So yeah, also in this in this fake trailer, they used some footage from Galactica 1980, the Cylon strafing. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought actually. Yeah, and it looks like I'm pretty sure that's uh, an Ultraman monster. Quite at one possibly, point, yeah, yeah, they, they I do. think that's Tyrant. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad you're here to tell us these things, Scott. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, this was supposed to be a short episode, and I think I think we've done it. I think forty minutes counts as a short <laughs> episode for us, and I want to get this up pretty quickly. So, okay, let's let's call it a night. Um, good luck with your move. So, what's the deal? You gonna you gonna try and get the episode thirteen edited before you do the big move? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try to get that later this week. Okay. So we're likely going to be on hiatus for 
maybe a week or two until you get moved, which is targeted on the 15th? 15th, yeah, is 15th. what I'm aiming for. May 15th. Okay. Well, good luck. Um, you know, let us know how it goes. And, okay. Uh, my name is Chris Holland. I'm Scott Hamilton. You can find us on Twitter as Stomp Tokyo and Scopi, S-C-O-P-I. And uh, thanks for listening.